TalkZone.com. Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to TalkZone.com. Thanks, folks, for joining us. Beautiful Monday here. Hope everybody had an outstanding weekend. As we take a look at the brackets and the college basketball over the weekend, big dog Joe Radwanski, my good partner on the other side of the line, all I can think of is bloodshed. A lot of bloodshed left on the basketball battlefield over the weekend. How are you, my friend, and uh, did you enjoy the games? Oh, absolutely enjoyed them, and you know the beautiful thing is, you know, you got thirty-two, oh, sixteen ecstatic teams. Well, you got forty-eight absolutely downtrodden and upset teams after uh, this particular weekend. Coach. Like I said, bloodshed. I mean, bloodshed left all over the place across the basketball battlefield. If we could use that, maybe not so accurate uh, military analogy, but. Uh, Great games. By the way, I'm looking at your brackets, Big Dog. You made picks last week with us. We analyzed the games. I tried to influence you at times. But uh, in the end, you made the picks, and you told our listeners who to bet on. And overall, considering all the upsets, uh, not bad. You did a nice job picking the games. Yeah, I, I, I did. You know what? I did all right. I would have done really well if we actually did a first round, too. But we just went straight to the 16s, Coach. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I do appreciate it because normally, for some reason, you always make fun of my picks and act like I'm an idiot around NCAA tournament time. And to be quite honest with you, nobody is smart this time of year. Everybody is an idiot. So I'm surprised you even gave me a backhanded compliment right there. I'll give you a double backhand, two slaps on the, the back, and if I, I might even sneak a quick peek in the backside or, you know, a little bit lower if I could. Those picks were outstanding. <laughs> we're going to go through it bracket by bracket and uh, go over some of the game. Great stuff, though, as always. and. You know, I can sound like a broken record, but uh, it is just great, great entertainment. It's human drama at its best, and it's always good, but I think this year's uh, game, I would argue Thursday, well, we talked about it. Thursday might have been the best day uh-huh. ever, but overall, the first couple of rounds, Big Dog, as good as they've ever been, in my particular opinion. Uh, you know, Coach, I, I told you like that Friday, last Friday when we did the show, I was like, you know, it felt like just an unbelievable day of basketball, and when you called it the greatest day of basketball, you know, I didn't want to just say that because there's been so many great tournament days. I didn't want to get washed up in the emotion of what was last Thursday, day one of the tournament. But, you know, Coach, I, I did a little research. Statistically, there's never been a day like day one. Mm-hmm. You realize that how many top like double-digit seeds won and how many games ended up at the last second. So I just want to let you know your feeling of the gut feeling of it was the greatest day in college basketball history. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, statistically, it was. So I'm going to tip my hat to you, Coach. I just didn't want to get washed up in the emotion of what was Friday morning. But, man, what I mean, what a weekend. You know, recently, you know, I've been getting involved with, with someone who doesn't know much about college basketball or basketball whatsoever. And what a perfect year to introduce somebody to the college basketball tournament when every single game is a nail-biter. So, mm-hmm. Well, not every game, but all the close games and seeding-wise seems to be a nail-biter, Coach. What a great year. I'm still trying to get over the the shock of your statement about a minute and a half ago that you actually did research for the program. I'm very impressed. Well, you know, well, normally, Coach, the show's over your contract. You know, show's over at 11. You're on to other things. But you actually, with all the females in your life and all the basketball in your life, you found time to do research. I'm impressed. Yeah, too bad the, the females in my life tend to be ants, 
moms and grandmas. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, but that's, that's not, not bad. So bad. There's nothing wrong with any of nothing those. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. So, nothing uh, wrong with that. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. God's children, those are good females. You know what I mean? <laughs> we all so, need a little loving, Big Doug. We all need a little loving. <laughs> Some of us more uh, than but, others. Yeah, I was just on the train. Just you know, yesterday, just you know, because I was going to the Shamrock Shuffle yesterday, Coach. Thirty-six thousand okay. participants in downtown Chicago. So you know, just as I was bored, just started looking up some NCAA tournament. And statistically, on paper, you can't. There was nothing better than uh, what happened on Thursday. Yeah, that was outstanding. And then it's hard to follow that. A lot of times, you have a great day on Thursday, and you know what? Well, then after that, a couple of dud days. So it's hard to follow greatness. But the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, maybe not quite to the level of Thursday, but was filled with plenty of outstanding games. And by the way, not to misinterpret again any of our listeners who might have the wrong idea, you did not actually run in the Shamrock Shuffle, but you were there probably cheering on. A couple of friends who were running, you were probably sitting in a chair with a six-pack cheering them on. Do I have that? Coach, you're pretty close. It's funny that you said I was cheering on a couple friends. Yes. Just give me about 30 seconds, so I'll describe what happened. I take my bike down to the Shamrock Shuffle. Okay. And Wait, I, I thought you took there. the train. I took the train. You took a bike on the train? On the, yes. I mean, seriously, you have, I mean, how, it, this is 2010, Coach. Believe it or not, they make I, trains large enough to put a bike on nowadays. I was not aware. I'm still living okay. in the early 2000s. Well, I, I know, I mean, you drive the SUV, you, you drive everywhere, yeah. Coach. I mean, you're the guy that drives up to the, you, you won't even walk to the, to the grocery store. You, you, I, won't, you, I won't even walk down the path of least resistance. I, I understand this, Coach. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, I actually, I just went down to watch the Ecuadorian princess running the Shamrock Shuffle with a bunch of Irish people. Okay. Who? Well, there's uh, an Ecuadorian girl. Oh, okay. okay. So I go down there and she tells me, Joel, I'll have a green hat on. Coach, 36,000 people <laughs> running a five-mile race. You know, there's not a lot of disbursement, 36,000 people over five miles. Let me just tell you, I, I was pretty embarrassed that I was not able to pick her out out of the 36,000 people and 28,000 wearing green hats. So I felt a little embarrassed. Well, you know, first so. of all, you know, I don't want to get down on the Ecuadorian princess. It sounds like a budding relationship. And, uh, you know, date number one was at uh, Jack in the Box. Date number two at the Shamrock Shuffle. You're clearly moving on up, my friend. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I might actually have to spend some money on her soon, Coach, and that's well, going to be difficult. That's where we're going to find out not, if I actually like her or not. Well, let's not get carried. Well, don't jump into yeah. things too quickly, please. Oh, I won't, dude. I won't. Yeah. I, I promise you. A couple yeah. more dates of splitting the bill before we get real serious, please. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't understand what Dutch is. She thinks, you know, Netherlands <laughs> is a place where where windmills are. She has no idea what Dutch means. Coach. Oh, Joel, you're so worldly talking about Dutch. <laughs> Uh, but did she really say that? And did you actually buy that? Hey, how will I know where you are? I'll be wearing the green hat. And it was yeah, the she did say that. On. And I laughed. When she said it, I laughed. I didn't even want to let her know. I was like, uh, I hate to tell you, I'm not. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I thought I would find her because, you know, I pictured marathons. You know what I mean? It, when you're talking 26 miles and, and 40,000 people. It's a little spread out. Yeah, you could, they, you, you know, you could actually see three or four people passing at one time. Mm-hmm. I had my bike, and I was, like, going along the route. And it's funny, you said, were you cheering on friends? Well, I was yelling out her name, like, every five minutes. As long as I could, okay? <laughs> and then, when I, I, I noticed I was not going to find her, I just, I, I meant yeah. to tell my roommates, I just started yelling out my roommate's name. I was like, go with George, as long as I could. He's not running it, but at least somebody. Anybody turn around and acknowledge you? Cloudy at the Shamrock Shuffle yesterday. Oh, my goodness. It can't be that hard when you think about it. Forget about the green hat. How many Ecuadorian females are running in the Shamrock Shuffle? Well, I tell you this, a lot more than African-American males. I will tell you that. Coach, what what don't African-American males don't run long distances? 
36,000 people. I thought I saw three brothers yesterday, and all of them were dressed as leprechauns. And I'm not kidding. I'm not, I just don't understand it. So, like, I, one of them stopped and, uh, and, what do you call it? and said, hey, can you take a picture of me and my boy? Uh-huh. And I was close to him and, like, uh, uh, and, you know, uh, a black dude and a white dude. And my black dude, hey, can you take a picture? And I said to him, I'm like, are you just trying to prove to somebody that you actually were an African-American dude who ran in this? And the guy started laughing. He's like, yeah, I know. So it was, what was, what, oh. African-American males don't jog, coach? Um, sure they do. I'm, I'm putting sure you on the spot. Do. You're speaking for all African-American males. Well, right no, now. I only speak for 79.2% okay. of the African males. I would not uh, dare to speak for all of them, but uh, sure they do. Absolutely. The running is very big in the black community. I will tell you this. Uh, Asian women, a lot of them running yesterday. So I, Asian women, Uh-oh. I guess, have something with Irish guys. This is not good because I know the way you look at Asian uh, uh, female Divers in the swimming and female skaters in the Olympics. If you're involved with an Ecuadorian woman, uh, having Asian women run by you is not a good thing. Well, I mean, it, it isn't. But to be quite honest with you, i got to be honest with you. If South American <laughs> women started figure skating, Coach, I'd be all over it. Okay, I, I actually tend to stick more with, with the Americas than I do mm-hmm. uh, across the ocean. Yes. Last time I checked, Mexico's uh, female Olympic uh, figure skating count is not real high over the years. No, no, it, 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 but it is <laughs> caliente. Right. All right, we are getting sidetracked once again, and if you're new to the two guys at a mic show, that seems to happen more often than not with uh, me. And the, we almost need a third partner, Joel, someone to keep us on track. Well, uh, Dave Olson is supposed to be that, but he's refused to actually he, try to tame us. He's like, I, I'm not going to do you guys are just too much. So. To David's defense, and uh, our producer, of course, this week and uh, each and every week, to find gentlemen known as David Olson in the first month of the show. You know, he tried, but I think. Now in month number three, we might even meet on month number four. I think David, an intelligent man, a family man, he's realized uh, there's really no hope. There's no reason to put the effort into it. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, this is month number four, Coach. We are in the second trimester. <laughs> yeah. I could make a few jokes about abortion right now, but I don't think I will. It's a bit of a sensitive subject. All right, okay. can we please get to the basketball and get off figure skating and the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shuffle? That sounds good to me, Coach. We have basketball to talk about real quick. Can we do it region by region and just kind of go over the games? The best thing is, Coach, you're driving the show. You can do whatever you want, brother. Beautiful, beautiful. People want to join us here. We're going to talk some March Madness, the college basketball. Started with 64. We're down to 16, but there were some great games along the way. We're going to review and maybe today give a little little bit of a preview, but today will be mostly review, and we'll spend uh, tomorrow and Wednesday previewing some of the big games coming up this weekend. Sweet 16, indeed. Uh, 888-463-6748. That's the phone number if you want to join us. College basketball fans, feel free to jump in. March Madness Talk, 888-463-6748. By the way, at the halfway point, after we've done two regionals, Big Dog, we'll take a halftime break. We will quickly bring in some of the other sports topics over the weekend. Jimmy Johnson and car racing, Tiger Woods, a little baseball news, and Joe Mauer. So we will get to some other sports, but basically March Madness today. All right, very quickly, let's go to the Midwest Regional first, and let's talk about what some people are calling the biggest upset of the weekend. Number one, Kansas, shocked by Northern Iowa. Joel, I told you on Thursday or Friday, after watching them play, that they looked absolutely unbeatable. They were not so on Saturday. Uh, they looked that way, did they? They really did. They played absolutely phenomenal. And all year long, it would happen where Kansas would get in a. They only lost two games, but they would get. Well, they lost three because that was their last loss of the season. But uh, they would have trouble if they did not control the tempo. They would struggle in games where they weren't the ones that were forcing the issue. Northern Iowa was the one who forced the issue. 
that whole entire ball game. Except with a minute and three seconds left because Northern Iowa, what they did was they took the game, they put it on the platter, they walked over to Kansas, and they said, here it is, you can have this basketball game, we don't want it anymore. And for the next, like, 40 seconds, uh, you know, Kansas almost took the game until Ali Farouk Manesh hit mm-hmm. one of the worst three-point attempts I've ever seen in my entire life. I wanted to slap him. The next thing I know, it's going in, and I went from wanting to slap him to hug him in a matter of about a 25-foot jump shot, Coach. Mm-hmm. The son of a volleyball player. What nationality is it? Israeli? Iranian? I think he is Israeli, Coach. I, his dad was an Olympic volleyball player. He obviously, if you look at his arms, he had no chance at volleyball. But uh, the kid could shoot the ball, and he's one of those magical it was it was a magical moment, and he's one of those magical guys that just catch fire at tournament time. Ninety eight percent of the country had no idea who Ali Barishnikov was, but we now know, even if I butcher his last name. Yeah, hey, coach, you know he didn't catch and shoot though. He caught the ball. No, catch, you, think and shoot. Yes, catch, pump. Oh, I don't know what to do with the ball. Okay, I'll shoot. That's what he did. It's yeah. the worst shot attempt I can remember. Well, I agree and disagree with you. I think you alluded to it. If ten. Typically, if you think about your shot, you're going to miss it. So I don't think, you know what, you're wide open, 30 seconds left, Joel. You don't play not to lose, you play to win. So I'll disagree with you. It was a good shot. The problem was he thought about it. And when you stop and think, then you're in trouble. Really, you're up one. Yes. There's there's a four-second shot clock difference when you're up one. And basically, if they don't take a shot... They and they keep the ball. Kansas would get the ball back with four seconds to go in the game, and you shoot with twenty-eight seconds to go in the shot clock. Yep. Okay. That's, well, I, couple, I don't agree with you, coach. Well, it was a bad, bad shot. The only reason why it was good is he made it. That's the only. We, I can't. I don't see any sense in taking that shot. We need to add a couple it. things to your description. Uh, two things to your description. A. It was their best outside shooter and one of the best in the country, and he's been yeah. hot. And B. Amen, yeah. And B. He was. Absolutely wide open, nobody near him, and totally. Un- so if it was a contested shot by a non-great shooter, I agree with you. Wide open three, and he's your best shooter, and he's hot. Got to go with it. You know what, coach? I, I, I have to. I'm going to say straight up. I guess I'm kind of talking out of my mouth right here because you, they were playing to win. If you take that shot, you're not afraid to lose. You're playing to win, yep. and in order to beat a team like Kansas, that's the way you got to mm-hmm. do it. So I, I'm tipping my hat to him. That kid was playing to win. He took the freaking shot, and he swished it. So, and here, here's wow. the thing, too. And it was a tremendous upset in Kansas previous to that. Look, we, we talked about it. every position. I mean, they had All-Americans. They were. It was basically almost like the ideal team, the perfect yeah, they, point they, guard. They the have perfect. All-American role players, Coach. They have kids yes. that are role players now who next year are going to be 10-10 and 10 guys. Yeah. You put their fifth-best scorer, Marcus, what's his last name? Morris? McMorris. You put Marcus, Mc, Marcus McMorris? Coach, I didn't name him. Marcus McMorris on Northwestern, he's their leading scorer. Oh, yeah, he would be. Oh. He'd be averaging 18, 19 points a game. But here's the deal. Uh, not just Northern Iowa, the St. Mary's, the Cornells, and we said this before. We called it here on the TalkZone.com, Big Dog. They may be upsets. They may be, uh, if you want to call them Cinderella teams, maybe they're not as well-known. That's all fine and dandy. Here's the bottom line. They are really, really good basketball teams. They weren't fluke wins. If you watch those teams play, they are really good basketball teams. In my opinion, it may have been an upset. But no fluke because they're just talented teams. Forget about the Cinderella stuff. Absolutely. If anybody saw St. Mary's play the, the last two games, and you're trying to tell them to call them Cinderella, they will punch you in the eye and leave you bloody. You're talking about there's blood and carnage all over this tournament. Teams like St. Mary's, these cute little Cinderella teams, they beat you with fundamentals and effort. No, no, they punch people right in the mouth. St. Mary's. That, I mean, that. It, it, I'm I'm liking the fact that. Uh, like teams like Gonzaga or St. Mary's or the Butlers of the world, 
people aren't looking at him as Cinderella anymore. These teams can play the game, Coach. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Michigan State, let's go to game two. We're sticking with the Midwest Regional. Again, you want to chime in your thoughts. You watch the games, 888 Join myself and the big dog, make it a three-way. Michigan State knocks off Maryland. Unbelievable finish to the game, 85-83. And to add to the drama, their star player, Kalen Locus, Achilles injury. He's probably out for the tournament, big dog, but what? A finish to this game. Yeah, yeah. To, to just start it off, it's really sad. You're talking about Kalen Lucas was last year's Big Ten Player of the Year. Yep. Two-time first-team All-Big Ten player. He, he leaves the game with about, what, about 10, 12 minutes to go in the game, and, and Michigan State's able to recover. Corey Lucius hits the shot. We are talking about how Northern Iowa put the game on a platter. Michigan State legitimately, they <laughs> put the game on the platter for Maryland yesterday, and they could have easily lost the game that they should have won. Mm-hmm. In the ending of that game, Luckily, I was at uh, Barleycorn yesterday in the city coach at a Michigan State bar when that happened. Oh, All I can cool. say is, oh. OMG, that place went up for grabs, <laughs> up for grabs. Oh, how cool was that? I was that? and field up in every single direction out of nowhere. It, it wasn't bad for me. So. <laughs> you were at a Michigan State bar for the end of that game. That is unbelievable. Folks, if you didn't watch the game or just to recap it, it wasn't just the dramatic, one of the most dramatic shots of the tournament. In the last minute. There was not one, not two, not three, but there was four shots that were worthy of highlight film. Maryland came back against uh, an 8, 10, 12-point deficit with Kayla Lucas out. And then their star player, Grivas Vasquez, makes a shot with about 40, around 40, 45 seconds left. You know, a driving in bank shot, big shot, huge shot for Maryland. They finally take the lead. That could have been the game winner. Down comes Michigan State, and I believe the kid's name was Green. Yes, Raymond Green, coach. Draymond, Draymond Green, Green hits a 17-footer cold as ice, and he drains it. Big shot for Michigan State. There was no timeout call. Back comes Maryland. They had no timeouts, right? No. So no. now we're down 14, 13, 12. So you already had two dramatic shots where everybody's drained. I don't know about John Barleycorn, but I'm sitting at home completely plastered at this point. Not on alcohol, by the way, just from watching the games. And uh, and back comes Maryland, and sure enough, their star player, Graves Vasquez, does it again. Drives uh, the inbound pass, though, the, the play that Gary Williams set up. Grievous inbounds the ball, throws it to a guy like on the wing, and immediately jumps inbounds baseline over the three-point mark. They get it back away to him, and he, and he throws it up, and that uh, caps an eight. Point zero, oh. 8.01 in 29 seconds to get the lead. Coach. And you think at that point, you know, we've already had two great shots with four seconds left. That's the game winner. Unbelievable uh-huh. shot. He's done two in a minute. Vasquez, what a comeback by Maryland. You're thinking, oh, Michigan State's going to feel so terrible. No timeout, inbound, down they come, and Michigan State throws the ball to uh, Corey Lucius at the top of the key as the clock is winding down. Hits the three-pointer. Four dramatic shots, all within 45 seconds. It was unbelievable, Big Duck. Uh, a phenomenal coach. And, and just like a reminder to all basketball coaches out there, you should prepare your team to inbound the ball if they are losing without having to set a play up. Because if Maryland's able to set their defense up in that particular situation, Michigan State doesn't win the game. But mm-hmm. Izzo, a very extremely well-prepared coach, Michigan State inbounds the ball. They did have a timeout, by the way. Michigan State had a timeout. Maryland didn't. Michigan State runs down the court. They, they they don't panic. They know what they do. And next thing you know, uh, Corey Lucius has a wide-open three-pointer, and he drains it. See, if you caught this now, you again. might have missed it because you were at a Michigan State bar. There had to be a lot of distractions. Most underrated play of the entire four days. Most under was not a great play, 
but it's the most underrated. Did you see the Michigan State player who was running down the court going for the rebound, and all of a sudden they reversed the ball to the top of the key to their shooter, and it almost hit him? Yes, and, yes, you're right. It, it, and he had the ball the, was he had Lucius, the, it almost hit him in the face. He had the duck at the last – if he doesn't duck, Michigan State's home – and it was it was kind of an unexpected pass, so it wasn't like he should have expected it. All of a sudden, the ball's coming at him. He ducks at the last second, and the ball goes in the hands of Corey Lucius. That guy gets a uh, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. And I was just lucky. I was at a bar and was sober, and I was able to see all these people acting like fools oh, doing all over themselves. What? It was a lot of fun. And I'm a big-time guy, so I was definitely rooting for Sparta yesterday. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, you know what? Uh, Normally I can't advocate acting like a fool in a game like that, finish like that without your star player. Anything justified, alcohol-related or non-alcohol, acting like a fool was thoroughly justified by any Michigan State fan at that point. Uh, yes. I don't know how they do it, but i got to tell you something. They get it done at Michigan State. and yeah. they, I know they don't have Kalen Lucas. But uh, they're still a dangerous team, Coach, because they rebound and defend. Yep, no question about it. Uh, Midwest Regional, Tennessee over Ohio. Not a lot of drama here, but uh, Tennessee under Bruce Pearl quietly and consistently one of the best programs. They survive and advance again. The Volunteers in the round of 16, Big Doug. And, and again, we'll, we'll say this. You know, I'm not a big Tennessee Bruce Pearl fan, but I, I will admit Bruce Pearl has done a phenomenal job to keep that team together after losing a couple of the star players with the whole incident involving drugs, alcohol, stolen stuff. He's kept the team together, Coach, and uh, so I, I did, I'll tip my hat to Bruce Pearl. He's done a That's fantastic all it was? job this year. That's all it was? Just drugs, alcohol, and stolen stuff? Yeah. Oh, come on. There's no reason exactly. for suspension. Were the drugs stolen, Coach? I don't know. You're the one who said it. Okay. I'm just thinking, <laughs> if that's all it was, come on. Just a little drugs, alcohol, and stolen stuff, nothing to worry about. I say nothing play on. Play on. Uh, all right, the final game in the Midwest Regional, Ohio State-Georgia Tech. I thought this was going to be the best game of the day. It was. It was a good game. It wasn't great. Georgia Tech, if you watch the game, Big though, they came out early with the right strategy. Press full court, get right in Evan Turner's face full court, and uh, they disrupted Ohio State early. But Georgia Tech just couldn't keep up that intensity, and uh, Evan Turner and the boys moved on. You know, Coach, it was funny. I haven't seen Georgia Tech play a lot. I, I did see a little bit of the Duke game. In the in the uh, ACC championship, and then you were talking about how great their defense was and stuff. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. it was pretty good. And then we're watching the Michigan State game, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, "There's 13 minutes to go in the first half, and Ohio State still hasn't scored in the ball game. It was 10 nothing with 13 minutes to go in the game." They, so they yeah, corrected that. Definitely could defend. They corrected that pretty quickly. John Debor, the other. Uh... Great shooting guard for Ohio State. He continues that. He picked up 20 points, but the Buckeyes smooth. They only play like five players, bring a couple of guys off the bench for brief moments in time, but Thad Mata and company advance. So um, there's your Midwest Regional Final Four. We'll preview it a little bit later, but let's continue moving on, okay, Big? Hey, but before we move on, yep. I'd like to see how you, you blew past the fact that Dallas Lauderdale has played two phenomenal defensive games in a you row. You know, Dallas, the Fort Lauderdale, uh, you said phenomenal? Coach, did you have you seen some of his block shots? Better than I thought. He is uh, He's Kyle Raleigh plus. Uh, we need to move on before I, I, I get upset. <laughs> he is in the pluses and minuses. Uh, under pluses is big. Not sure what He's else. Got the wingspan of a seven foot five man, coach. Good. He should use it once in a while. He's a, oh, oh, okay. 
I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stop because I know people don't want to have us get into a debate over right. the, the benefits of Dallas water. Quickly, let's move over to the West Regional: Gonzaga and Syracuse. Syracuse uh, rolls with a victory, and here's how impressive Syracuse was, Big Dog. Gonzaga is a really good team, and and they came to play. They came to win, and Syracuse just absolutely took them out of their game. Won 83 to 68. Syracuse looked unstoppable. Gonzaga, a very good team, but they had no match for Syracuse. Yeah, 83 to 68, that 15-point margin, that was the close, as close as the game was for the last 30 minutes of the game, Coach. Syracuse was up 20 the entire ball game. And, and I will say this isn't your typical really, 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 really good Gonzaga team. It's still a, a, a pretty good team. So yeah. uh, Syracuse is going to be a beast. Yeah, they're they're the new Kansas now where you could pick out, you know, that they're unbeatable, they got size, they got guard play, but – we did that same thing with Kansas, and of course the next game they got beat, so we better not jinx Syracuse, but they looked awfully good. Uh, Butler and Murray State, 56-52, great battle. Butler hanging on to win Murray State, Keep kept making runs at Butler, great defense by Murray State. Butler hung on, uh, they folded at times, big dog, but they did just enough to win. That was a great ball game, high intensity from start to finish. Yeah, the Murray State was going to be my, you know, like uh, my upset pick getting into the Sweet 16. It, it didn't happen, but uh, they had an absolutely phenomenal season. 31 wins most in the history of their school. Murray State's definitely got a good mm-hmm. season. they got almost all the guys coming back next year, so expect Murray State to make a run next year in the, yeah. in the tournament. I mean, that was a great ball game. Came down to the uh, final possession. Murray State trying to win it again like they did in round one, and their best shooter got double teamed, tried to pass it away. The ball bounced away, and uh, I think it was Gordon Haywood, the star player for Butler, dies for the loose ball. Clock runs out. Butler hangs on, but yet another uh, heart-stomping, emotional game, and a big win for Butler. Butler, the Bulldogs, sort of, well, sort of like uh, Gonzaga and Xavier, one of those teams that uh, has continued to win the last five or ten years and not get that much respect. Uh, I, I agree with you, Coach, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, those, those are legit teams that should be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Xavier taking on Pittsburgh. Jordan Crawford, one of the stars of the tournament. He's had two outstanding games. Used to play at Indiana. He now plays at Xavier and Oak at Tom Crean. Use him in Indiana. He's been unbelievable. The Xavier team, great as always. Big Dog, and they beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh came back, though, had a shot, a couple of shots to win it, or at least tie it down the stretch. Another uh, unbelievable game. Xavier wins. Coach, Xavier has a shot to win the national championship. I I mean, really, I mean, mean, you can say all 16 teams remaining have a shot, obviously. Any of them can go 4-0. But Xavier's making a believer out of me because they, just like you said, they got the inside-outside combination. They play defense. They're, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. They have depth for an Atlantic 10 team. Mm-hmm. There's a chance an A-10 team can win the championship this year. And if it isn't a Big Ten team, I'd have no problem if it, if it ends up being uh, Xavier coach. And let me remind you, uh, Buffalo Brett, that they also have a first-year coach. Chris Mack, who was the longtime assistant, steps in, takes over the head coaching job. What a job he is doing in year number one. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they, they have a new coach this year. So. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he's been with the program. Credit to Xavier. Instead of bringing in somebody from the outside, Sean Miller, actually, it's been true for Xavier for a couple of times now. Thad Mata left to go to Ohio State. Uh-huh. They promoted Sean Miller, who knew the system. Sean Miller did a great job. He decides to go to Arizona. By the way, big mistake, Sean Miller. Um, and they don't, instead of going to the outside, they promote from within, longtime assistant, and I believe an ex-player at Xavier. Chris I, Mack, now their head coach. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember him there. So, yeah. 
He played at Evansville, and I think he did transfer. I think he played for Xavier for a couple of years, but it's kind of cool. First-year coach in the final 16, and uh, the next matchup, Xavier and Kansas State might be one of the best round of 16 games. Kansas State beats BYU 84-72. Jacob Pullen out of the city of Chicago hits seven three-pointers. Big dog, he was outstanding, and they find a way to uh, quiet Jimmy Fredette, the superstar for Brigham Young. Yeah, okay, I, I said before the tournament, I did not like Kansas State. I was going to pick them to lose no matter who they played. Then remember, I saw the bracket, so I'm like, I'll put them in the Sweet 16 because those are the three worst teams I think they could have been matched up with. But I, I will tell you this, Coach, they are a lot better than I thought they were. Okay, so I will say I was wrong about the talent level there at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they, they, they're gonna, the Xavier Musketeers definitely have their hands full mm-hmm. if they're going to advance to the Elite Eight against the Kansas State team. Boy, isn't that going to be a good game, though? I, I don't know. I haven't seen the TV schedules yet, what they're going to show us. But I do hope here in the Midwest we get Xavier-Kansas State because that's going to be a uh, 94-foot battle from start to finish. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Those they, they play high-pressure defense. That's mm-hmm. good. All right, we're halfway through. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll quickly pick up some news and notes and some titillating tidbits from the weekend and then go to the other two regions. March Madness Talk here in the Talk Zone. If you want to check in, we'd love to hear from you. 888-463-6748, the big dog and the coach at your service. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joe radwanski on talkzone.com welcome back to the talkzone.com halfway through the college basketball review from the weekend what a weekend it was and Big Dog, very quickly, let's uh, break it up with a little titillating tidbits, news and notes, other items that happened over the weekend. Tiger Woods making his first um, appearance, his first interview. I didn't see it live. I saw some of the highlights on the Golf Channel. But, uh, Tiger, right out there for you. Did you catch it? Uh, Coach, I could care less about a bunch of practice answers of what they knew exactly what you were going to say. Uh, Tiger Woods is one of the smartest human beings I've ever seen in an interview. He wasn't going to say anything that revealed anything or made him look bad. Uh, I did hear, though, he, he did admit that he was living a lie and that he was out of control. So, uh, to be honest with you, I guess he admitted a little bit more yeah. than I thought he was. But yeah. I'm being told what he said because, to be honest with you, I could care less. It's his life. If he wants to cheat on his wife, let him. Because he's not cheating on me. I could care less what he does with his personal life. Mm-hmm. I was living a lie. I was doing a lot of things that hurt a lot of people. When you face it and you start conquering it and you start living up to it, the strength that I feel now, I've never felt that type of strength. He was, uh, in the, the little tidbits I've seen, a little bit more uh, emotional, a little bit more heartfelt. It didn't look as practiced as that uh, very staged press conference. So 
It was good stuff and a little bit of smile at the end, too, when they, uh, the interviewee, interviewess, whoever that young lady was, talked to him about what kind of um, reception he'll get at the Augusta. We, we saw that great Tiger Woods smile that uh, when he does smile, he can light up the, light up the TV screen. I'm sure Tom Rinaldi will be very happy that you called him an interview Eric. <laughs> And, and, and I want to remind anybody that doesn't listen to TalkZone.com, two guys in the mic every day. I'm not ripping on Tiger Woods. I'm actually in his corner for the first time ever. I'm, I'm trying to prove by being in his corner that I could care less about his apology. He doesn't owe me an apology. He doesn't owe me an explanation about his personal life yep. or any of us, to be Just quite honest with you. go ahead and drive 300 yards straight down the middle. All yeah, right. exactly. Did he murder anybody? No. No. Item number two with Joe Maurer, the Minnesota Twin. Minnesota Twins, typically your non-big-budget team, but Joe Maurer is a homegrown guy from the state of Minnesota. They had to sign one of their own. They do it over the weekend. Eight years, $184 million. Joe Maurer, a Minnesota Twin for life. Uh, coach, and if you don't think he's – if you're out there and if you're a baseball fan and you don't think he's worth it, I just you have to answer this question for me. And to the four or five people on the planet that might not think he's worth this money, Who's better in baseball than him? If you wanted to start a team right now, yep. name a player that you would take before Joe Maurer. The list is one, and I still might take Joe Maurer over this particular guy whose name is Albert Pujols. Because as great as Albert Pujols is, and he's a better hitter than, than Maurer, you can find a great first baseman to drive in runs and produce runs. Maybe not like Albert Pujols can, but to find a catcher, a catcher coach, who will lead the league in slugging percentage, batting average, on-base percentage, win a gold glove, to get offensive production, like Hall of Fame ridiculous offensive production out of your best defensive catcher in the American League, $22 million a year, believe it or not, Coach, is kind of a bargain in today's baseball. So well, if anybody ever deserved that type of money, it's him in baseball. I, I really believe that, Coach. You state your case uh, extremely well. In fact, uh, he got $184 million. I got a feeling if you were his agent, he might have got like $200 million. That was nicely done. I, I do appreciate that, Coach. Uh, I, I, sometimes I think I miss my calling. Yes. But the fact that you're rubbing in the fact that I'm not going to get 7% of $184 million, mm-hmm. it doesn't make me feel good that you think I would have had potential uh, at that particular occupation. Plenty of 16-, 17-year-old potential stars out there ready for the picking. But you, all you got to do is find them. And the beautiful thing is if I find one of these Dominican guys, I'll just tell everybody <laughs> he's 11. <laughs> if you see that 11 over there? No, 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 the other guy, the guy with the goatee. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's going to be phenomenal about five years. Okay, he's, got, so. he's got his 12th birthday in a couple of weeks. Come talk to me here. We'll sign some papers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick in uh, NASCAR and uh, Indy Racing, uh, one of our favorite uh, sports here, the two guys in a mic show, Bristol Motors Speedway, beautiful Tennessee. J.J. Johnson holds off Kurt Busch and wins uh, another championship. Apparently, Jimmy Johnson has won a lot of races, Big Dog. He's never won at Bristol Motor Speedway. Yeah, and, and the reason why is it's so hard to drive there and Luck becomes so involved in that particular racetrack. There's some you know, luck is involved in a little bit. You're talking about cars doing anywhere from 150 to 220 miles an hour. You get hit by somebody, you can be out of a race in a heartbeat when you're driving fine. But that there's so many accidents and it's so congested at that place. Luck is involved in a lot of it. But uh, he ends up beating Tony Stewart, uh, passes him late in the race, and Jimmy Johnson just does it again. The best driver with the best crew. That's mm-hmm. awful tough to beat, Coach. It's, it's like being, it's like the way Michael Jordan was. 
Michael Jordan was the best athlete in the NBA. Oh, and by the way, he had the best work ethic. That's kind of like what Jimmy Johnson is right now mm-hmm. with NASCAR coach. All right, very nicely done. And finally, uh, we want to remind everybody to take a little midterm break here for the March Madness talk. We are down to 41 days until the Kentucky Derby. And Big Dog, you know, on occasion here, we like to throw out some sneak uh, picks, not some of the favorite horses. But I know you're getting excited. Only 41 days to the Kentucky Derby. couple of horses to keep your eye out, out of the peekaboo stables in uh Peekaboo, Mississippi. Keep an eye out for I've got a headache, and also kiss my aspirin. I got to I got to tell you something, Coach. The, that particular stable does not produce a <laughs> lot of horses, but when they do, yes, they are thoroughbreds. So. It's all it's all about quality, not quantity. I am a little worried though. If I've got a headache, wins the Derby and a couple other races, and they put him out to stud. He, I'm just guessing based on name, he might not be the best stud horse. I'm a little worried in that aspect. Well, luckily. Uh, the horses have old names for each other. They don't go by the human name, Coach. <laughs> uh, crumple up that piece of paper. Sorry, we may, we may have to cut that bit short. we got 41 what more you... days of this to go. Holy I, I, I don't think we can come up with 82 more horses, Coach. I don't think so either. All right. Are we ready to uh, continue college basketball talk? That's my, own, my, that's my only option. We have. The... Well, you sound like you don't want to do it. No, I do. I'm, I'm messing with you. I the, love college. This is the best time of year. We got the East region and the South region. If you're just joining us, folks, we prefaced it by saying uh, arguably the finest four first days of the basketball tournament we've ever had, and there's a lot of competition for that. It was great entertainment, human drama, great emotion, uh, thrilling moments, as per always, brought to you by CBS Sports. They did a fine job bringing you the games. We've gone over the Midwest region and the West region. We moved to the East. Review some of the games real quick. If you want to chime in, um, your thoughts, your comments on the games, 888-463-6748. You can also email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. That's M-I-C in the number two, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. Kentucky continues to move on. I don't think they're the prohibitive favorite right now, but they're probably the favorite. They beat Wake Forest 90 to 60. They haven't been challenged yet, big dog, in the uh, two tournament games. Yeah, and that's why when you said earlier that Syracuse now takes over from Kansas the prohibitive favorite uh, role, I will disagree. It's Kentucky that takes over the prohibitive favorite role now that Kansas is out coach. I mean, they, they, they look like a, a legitimate tournament team, but just like John Calipari said, though, it's so funny. He's like, he's like, before this tournament happened, everybody said we were too young and inexperienced to get it done. All the talking heads said that. So now all of a sudden we're supposed to win it. I don't believe anybody. <laughs> he's right. He's right. The last mm-hmm. thing that Kentucky needs right now is to be told how great they are. Because when they were being told that they were inexperienced and they weren't going to get it done, they played phenomenal for two games. So It's going to be interesting to see. Their, their three leading scorers are three freshmen. Their leading scorer from last year and a near preseason All-American kid named Patrick Patterson all of a sudden is like he's their fourth scorer. That's how good, how improved the Kentucky team is. But I think the key will be, Big Doug, down the stretch, if they come in a close game, if the way they're playing, maybe they won't. But if they do meet a close game down the stretch, how will the young kids handle their first real March Madness pressure? Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen when DeMarcus Cousins and his 58% free throw percentage yes. is on the line with Kentucky up one. You know what I mean? And, and and there's 40 seconds to go in the game, and these free throws can steal it. You know, yeah, let's find out what, what these guys are made of. Because uh, after watching this Reggie Miller versus the New York State Knicks thing on ESPN 30 for 30 winning time, uh-huh. you know, for the, the for, most of the game you have to play, but certain time in the game you have to win, and there's a big difference between playing basketball and trying to win at basketball. 
and we'll find out like what John Hall and DeMarcus mm-hmm. Cousins are eventually in this tournament because they're not going to have six blowout games. Professor of Basketology, uh, the big dog Joe Redwanski, joining us here in the morning break. Very philosophical, some outstanding wisdoms being thrown out along the way. Once again, we recommend to everybody. I do it myself, Joel. When you're talking, I recommend to the young kids out there, take notes. Take notes during the show. Bring a pencil and an 8.5 by 11 yellow pad. You can learn a lot of things from this show. I take notes on a regular basis. I thoroughly agree with you, Coach. Yes. And I want everybody to take notes unless I'm speaking about money. If I'm speaking about money, do the exact opposite of what I'm discussing. I'm not good with that particular situation. Yes. So money everything or, else I'm an expert on besides actually making money. Money or employment situations. You are, I'm glad you put that addendum in there. Yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> the, I'm, you know, I'm the stand-up philosopher, Coach. You yes. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I talk a good game. I just yeah. haven't played one yet. Right. Well, you're a philosophy major. You uh, majored in philosophy. You can't find the job, but at least you know why. Uh, I, I do know why I'm unemployed. <laughs> All right, let's move down to the next game. Uh, one of the stories of the tournament, we heard this team was good. I didn't realize they were this good, but it's another Cinderella team. Forget about Cinderella. They're just really, really good basketball team out of the Ivy League, folks. They don't even give scholarships. None of these kids were offered D1 scholarships to any other schools. Cornell, the Big Red, have advanced to the Sweet 16. Big Dog gets the best Ivy League team I've seen since the Princeton teams of 20 years ago. They didn't beat Wisconsin. They turned Wisconsin over and spanked them on the backside. You know, the, the, the first thing I complained about about this tournament was that Kansas State had such an easy pod, and then I complained that Temple and Cornell were playing each other in the first round because I wanted to take both those teams to the Sweet 16. Yep. i got to tell you something. Temple probably would be in the Sweet 16 if they didn't have to play Cornell in the first round, Coach. I mean, that's how good Cornell is. They are a really good team. I wanted to take one of those two teams in the Sweet 16. I got burnt by it. But, man, uh, getting it done. And, by the way, their name should not be the Big Red. It should be the Big Pasty. <laughs> it is basically uh, eight white guys and then a point guard named Lewis, Ga- uh, Lewis Dale. Yes, and trust me, one day all of us will be working for Lewis Dale. Yes, no mm-hmm. question about it. But they are, boy, what a ball club they are. By the way, another Chicago area kid starring for their team, the point guard Chris Robluski. But uh, awfully good. They score inside, outside, legitimate team, an Ivy League team with athleticism and uh, and uh, Randy Whitman's son. Uh, what's his name? Whit- Ryan Whitman. Ryan Whitman can flat out shoot the ball, too. Oh, what a surprise. A Whitman can shoot. As a yeah. diehard Illinois fan, I still haven't gotten over Randy Whitman. I still hate him. Mm-hmm. Indiana, great. Seriously. And, uh, Coach, I guess the best way to say and this is obvious. I'm not really you know, creating new math here, but. Cornell, extremely high basketball IQ. Yeah. Easy to watch because they don't do stupid stuff. Yeah, and so. sometimes, you know, uh, academically smart kids don't always have the high basketball IQ. They combine both of those, and as you stated, uh, they didn't have an easy road. They played two really good teams, and there wasn't a close game. 78-65 over Temple, 87-69 over Wisconsin. They move on. Big deal. What a matchup. The freshman sensations of, against, of Connecticut against the uh, academic and athletic superiority of Cornell, what a matchup that's going to be. Uh, who, who do they got next round? It's Kentucky and Cornell. Oh, okay, you said Connecticut. For, like, Sorry. For, for second, I was like, oh, Cornell. Man, Calhoun did an awesome job. He didn't get in the tournament. He got that team in the Sweet 16. <laughs> I mean, that's coaching them up. All right, right let's yeah, move. You know, that's, and, and, and it's, I'm glad you brought that up, Coach, because Temple, not very athletic, but you know they play extremely smart basketball and all that. And then they play Wisconsin. Not very athletic, but they play really smart basketball. So what's going to happen when now all of a sudden they get put in a gym with a bunch of jumping beans? You know, mm-hmm. so that, that it's funny because they've played two teams that they matched up physically against, 
Now they play one that they don't match up physically against. And Cornell, I would argue, is not unathletic. They're not as athletic as Kentucky, but they 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 can they can get it and go. Yo, listen, I'm not trying to stereotype. Yeah, it's it's not your okay. typical Ivy League team that likes takes 45 seconds before they score. They've got weapons on the offensive end. I mean, they 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 can put points on the board. Yeah, and and no surprise, they definitely have people that can drop in that three point shot at mm-hmm. will. So. All right, let's move to the uh, other games in the East region. Washington, the Huskies, they won the buzzer beater on Poindexter's shot to beat Marquette. They beat Steve Alford in New Mexico 82-64. It's, uh, it's the classic case of a good team that is playing their best basketball. They got the momentum. How far momentum can go, I don't know, but uh, they're fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fun to watch. And you got to love fast-break basketball, and that's what they do. They, they push the ball, they press, always trying to find a quick layup in transition, and if it isn't there, they're smart about not forcing the issue and then getting into their half-court offense. Mm-hmm. And, Coach, yeah, when you, you watch Washington and you're like, where have they been all year? It doesn't make sense that this team has as many losses as it was. Did they have somebody hurt or something early on in the year? Why does this team have, like, 11 losses? I can't imagine them losing that many games. They've looked so good in the first Yeah, game. I'm not sure. The injury factor, I'm not sure. And the Pac-10 was not that hard this year, so no, it's not strength exactly. of competition. But uh, their point guard, too, Isaiah Thomas, uh, five, eight and a half, maybe. Coach, I, I he, can't get enough of these small guys. Little guys all over this tournament yep. playing phenomenal, and they're usually at smaller schools because the big school, oh, you're not big enough to play point guard in the Big East or in the Big Ten. Oh, guess what? All they do is distribute the ball, not turn it over, take good shots, and their teams continue to win. So anytime I see anybody under 5'9", or under 6-foot tall coach, I always root for those guys. Ah, West Virginia, Bobby Huggins' group, they won the Big East tournament. They continue on a roll. It hasn't been easy. They struggled a little bit, a lot of bumps in the road, but they beat Missouri 68-59. to It's all about surviving and advancing, and the Mountaineers, my friend, have done that. Yeah, coach, I am not – because you're right, two games – the number two seed, West Virginia, has struggled and barely won, okay? But the point of it is this. Villanova, I think they're better in West Virginia. But guess what? They didn't survive in advance. So West Virginia could look at themselves right now in the mirror and say, we played two ugly games we could have played totally better in. But you know what? They're still alive in the tournament, and they wouldn't change places with anybody right now. So mm-hmm. uh, you know what? Even though they haven't looked good, you get four or five days to correct what you're doing wrong, and you still have a chance at the championship. Right, so. so Washington will be matched up to West Virginia again as the week goes on. Uh, tomorrow in particular, we'll start previewing the games. Today is all about review. It's review and preview. Today we review. Tomorrow we preview. Let's move to the South region. Uh, Duke defeated California 68-53. to They moved to the round of 16 in Big Dog. I think the story with Duke is... That all season long, they've had three primary scorers. Nolan Smith, Johnny Shire, and Kyle Singler, all very good players. But all of a sudden, Brian Zubek, the seven-footer, is scoring points and rebounding. And the Plumley brothers, who are both, what, about 6'10"? Yes. Both those guys are starting to play. If the Duke big guys start to become offensive threats and, and up their game to the next level, watch out. The Blue Devils could sneak up on people. Even though they're a number one seed, I don't think people thought they could win it all. They could if the big guys play big. Yeah, a lot of people were ripping the fact that Duke got a number one seed, and and you, and you know what? For out of all the years, I think this is one of the least years that you can do that. There wasn't a lot of dominant teams across America, you know. And I do realize that Duke didn't win their first row game until February. Coach, did you? I, I I was right when I said that's no lie. A team that got a number one seed didn't win a row game until February. Wow. Okay, which is just mind-boggling to me. 
But one thing Duke has this year that they haven't had over like five or eight years is both an inside and an outside game. They've had some good teams, but either they were loaded up front and they had guys that couldn't even dribble and deliver on the ball, or they had a bunch of guys that you know can shoot outside and they had no rebounding or or, or def- you know, solid defense in the middle. So mm-hmm. this team is the most well-rounded team that Duke has had since uh, – Oh three, oh two, right after they won the championship in 01. All right, so you you think they could uh, get a shot at going all the way, the Duke Blue Devils? But they got to beat who? They, I forget who they have to beat. They have to beat somebody that they should definitely beat, and then they they face the the Baylor. Yeah, you're right. Winner. You're right. Looking at the read, they had the easiest bracket from here. The team they're going to meet, by the way, is the next Gable talking about Purdue who knocks off a good Texas A&M team. Everybody thought Purdue would get upset by Siena. We all know they're playing without their star player, Robbie Hummel. They're still a really good team. A dramatic finish in that game, their defensive star. The guy who's known for defense, Chris Kramer, does a, a freeze in your feet, break your ankles, crossover dribble, drive into the lane, scores the winning basket in overtime, and the Boilermakers move on, big dog. A bit of a surprise. Yeah, it is a little bit of a surprise, and I'm really proud of this team, proud of Matt Painter, the coach for Purdue. He's really coaching these guys, and it shows you the heart of the Big Ten because their best player is Robbie Hummel. Their plus player is out. No complaining, no complaining that they got jobs in the seed they get, none of that stuff. They just go out there and they play two excellent basketball games. I do think that the end of the road is going to be Duke. I do believe Duke's going to win that game. But, again, I'm going to say this. I hate Chris Kramer. I can't stand that guy, okay? But I'm going to tell you this straight up as, as an Illinois fan. He's like the epitome of what you want out of a college basketball player. They, like a pure athlete, but the guy doesn't really care about any of that stuff. He just goes out and does whatever Coach Painter tells him to do. Mm-hmm. More, as much as I can't stand that guy as an Illinois fan because he was a pain in the butt for four years, I'm tipping my hat to him. What a career he's had at Purdue. And, I, and I'm glad he did have an offensive moment that he could look back about and say, hey, I won a game with a driving layup. It wasn't just block shots and taking charges. So. He is the uh, the kind of guy, and I know from coaching myself, it's it's a tremendous luxury and, and one sometimes the fans don't appreciate, but he's the kind of guy, Big Doug, you can uh, look at the film and say, hey, there's the other team's best player. Unless he's like seven feet tall, Chris Kramer, you're guarding him. Yeah, and, and, and you know what, Coach, you can if you name all like the great teams of all time, you know, you live the flying line out of the late 80s. You know, Nick Anderson, Ken Gill, I mean, Kenny Battle. Stephen Bardo was the glue. You take Stephen yeah. Bardo off that team, it's not the same. It's the same with Kramer. Etwan Moore, Horton, Robbie Hummel, Jawan Johnson, who's going to be a top-ten pick. You take Chris Kramer, the, the least talented basketball player off that team, and they don't win the Big Ten Championship. They're not that good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well stated. Let's move on. Uh, South Region, final two games to talk about. Baylor, the Bears. Program disbanding and totally uh, – it wasn't suspended. It, it, the, the, the Baylor program six, seven years ago, Big Dog, was totally, what's the word I'm looking for? It was uh, defunct. It was pulled. Yeah. They did not have a season. And then the second year after that, they were only allowed to play Big 12 conference games because the Big 12 needed another team to be in there. They were not allowed to play non-conference games. Mm-hmm. This five, five or six five years, years later, ago? they're in the Sweet 16. And you know what? They're a contender based on their draw. Uh, they're big. They're quick. They got star power. They got a great coach. Uh, they have a phenomenal coach. Uh, uh, he might be better than his dad, Coach. God Drew might be a better coach than his dad, Homer. And I'm not knocking Homer because that means he's coached his son up really well and he taught his son well. Uh, seriously, Baylor is a lot of fun to watch. I I think they're going to advance in, in this first game because of AC. And was, was I joking about that kid? Oh, oh my cool, goodness. Isn't he, Coach? Lace Darius Dunn, one of the best names. There are kids. 
there are babies being born over the weekend in the Texas area that are all being named Leisterius. Yeah, and don't forget, Coach, the one thing that Duke will have to overcome against Baylor, assuming uh, Duke beats Purdue. Who does Baylor have in this round, Coach? Ah, you are forgetting. You are forgetting. St. Mary's, my friend. Okay. It may be the end for Baylor. Well, do you know where that game is going to be taking place, Coach? Um, Houston. Eh. Extremely close to Waco. Overrated. Okay, that it might be overrated, but it just, if Duke is going to advance out of that or St. Mary's is going to advance over that, they're going to have mm-hmm. to overcome an extremely partisan crowd down in Texas that will be rooting on the Baylor Bears. Not a problem. So for the, the, the one out of every 50 years that Baylor has a good team in something, they support their teams, Coach. <laughs> one out of how many years? 50. I'm sure the Baylor Athletic Department is very uh, happy to hear that uh, promotion for their program. Seriously, they, 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 the football team has promised to go to a bowl game in the next 20 years, and all the, the what do you call it, the faculty members, boosters, have all already given $10,000 for the tickets that they'll have to pay for that particular bowl game in the next 20 years. One of our emailers is uh, reminding you you forgot the women's swimming team of 1982. Well, the fact they got through the year without anybody drowning, they should not be <laughs> awarded anything for that. Stop it. And the program was not discontinued because uh, the athletes were doing drugs, alcohol, and stealing. No, it was. Yes. So that's good. That's always a good year. All right. Let's get to the final team. I thought this team is really special. I knew nothing, nothing about St. Mary's when they took on Richmond on, what was that, Thursday night or Friday night. I watched a half of basketball, Big Dog, and I told anybody within shouting distance, this team's going to the Sweet 16. They are really good, not a fluke at all. St. Mary's wins over Villanova, one of the big upsets over the weekend, 75-68. Four guys from, is it Australia? That's right, Coach. One guy whose mom is Irish and whose dad is Israeli. He's their star, Omar Shamram. And this St. Mary's team goes to the Sweet 16. I think they're going to go farther, Big Dog. They are really good, really talented, and can shoot the lights out. Uh, they can shoot and the one thing that they that they have that a lot of the small school Cinderellas don't have is size to defend down low and to get easy buckets and laughs. Omar Shamran, coach, not only did he have, what, about seven blocks in the Villanova game? I'm mm-hmm. not sure what it was. It was high. He also had, he shot 13 of 16 from the floor, which meant that they were able to go down there, get him the ball, and he was able just to lay it into the hoop really nice and easy. Jay Wright was like, we couldn't stop it. And you're right, Coach, it's the biggest upset in a sense that you're talking about a number two team that had been to the Final Four the year before, and then Villanova, All-Americans, a couple All-Americans on the court, one of the great players in college history, Scotty Reynolds. But watching the game, would you call that an upset when you watched it with the eye test? No. Start, exactly. start to finish, like, oh, St. Mary's was in control. St. Mary's played such the Cinderella school, and they did everything perfect, and they won. No, the, the better team won yep. the game. I, that's what I felt that's, like watching it. Exactly I was right. wrong. I thought Villanova was going to the title game. And you could, see, you could say the same thing about Cornell's and the Northern Iowa's. That, that was why I prefaced it by saying, hey, you know, they may be Cinderella teams, maybe not be as well-known. Forget about all that. They're really good basketball teams. That's what they are. And St. Mm-hmm. Mary's I mean, is included. There's sometimes it is Cinderella, you know, mm-hmm. playing the great game. And sometimes it's just a good basketball team who beat you. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, it's definitely that this year. Very, very excited about watching uh, Baylor's Ekpi Udo go up against Omar Shamram. I never thought I'd be excited about Ekpi Udo going up against Omar Shamram, but uh, Friday night at 8.27, I'll be watching. Coach, and just to let you know, for the first time ever, think about the tournament, the all-Israeli tournament team, Coach, you'd actually <laughs> have a chance to win a game or two. That's right. Farouk Manesh, yeah, these... Omar Shamram, like the best shooter and the best shot blocker, yeah. Israeli. 
I saw somebody up in the stands with a sign that said, these Jews can shoot. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, one other final comment before we wrap it up. Remember, I can always tell Irish jokes, Coach. Come on, thank you very much. You remember about five years ago, six, seven, whatever it was, when the pros started accepting uh, college players after one year, and all the college stars were going, not all, but a lot of them were going to the NBA. Was it's going to ruin. That long ago? I thought it was like three years ago. Whatever. Okay. It's going to ruin college basketball. It's going to take some of the fun, all the star power. You know what, folks? There's guys leaving after a year. It hasn't ruined college basketball. All it's done is made room for new stars. The talent level, big dog, feel free to disagree. I don't think you will. The talent level after watching these games, as good as ever. Uh, yes, it absolutely is, Coach. And I have no problem with the one and done because some of these guys that were going to go uh, straight from high school to the, to the NBA, and, well, they they go to college and they realize, you know what, I wasn't ready. And all of a sudden they stay for more than one year and they stay two, three, possibly four years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not one of those people that is all that hates the fact that you got to do it. It, it, it. I think it's kind of helping college basketball. There are certain instances of kids who don't go to class after first semester who are going to go. Mm-hmm. But other yeah. than that, it's, it's definitely been beneficial. Beautiful. Dog, we got to wrap it up. You're uh, back at it tomorrow. We'll uh, preview a little bit the Sweet 16. We'll see if we can break it down a little bit, okay? Uh, heck yeah, Coach. <laughs> All right. For the big dog and the coach, we appreciate everybody listening today. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10. David Olson, our producer, great job. Have a great day, everybody. Don't be late. Tomorrow at 10.